protesting and saying, first of all, shame on Israel Bonds, shame on Smotrich, shame on those who are attending this conference who are giving sanction to these um, right-wing extremist ideas within Jewish tradition. That's what it sounded like in Washington, D.C. on Sunday, as some Jewish groups protested outside the hotel where Israel's finance minister, Bezalel Smotrich, was speaking at an event for Israel Bonds. Smotrich is the extremist member of Israel's right-wing ruling coalition who's been in the news lately for declaring that Israel should wipe out the Palestinian town of Huwara. Two weeks ago, Palestinian gunmen killed two yeshiva students, brothers in Huwara. Their car was riddled with bullets while they were stuck in traffic there north of Jerusalem. And what happened next is being called a pogrom. Groups of Jewish settlers attacked and burned cars and homes in Huwara, and one Palestinian man was killed. Afterwards, Smotrich's comments sparked an outcry. He's since walked back his inflammatory words, but this certainly isn't the first time he's ignited outrage with his policies. He's proudly anti-gay. He once called gay people beasts. And he's told Arabs it's a shame Ben-Gurion didn't throw them all out of Israel. Here at home, the political situation in Israel has also prompted condemnation in recent weeks from prominent Canadian Jewish leaders, ranging from philanthropist Charles Bronfman, to some Supreme Court justices and law professors, to Canada's special envoy on Holocaust remembrance and anti-Semitism, Erwin Kotler. They're all worried about the new Netanyahu government's plans to significantly roll back the Supreme Court's powers to overrule laws that would violate Israel's founding principles. Last week, a new poll released by two Jewish groups, J-Space Canada and the New Israel Fund of Canada, found a majority of Canadian Jews, 59%, think the new government is moving in the wrong direction. All these concerns have come to a head and prompted Toronto's UJA Federation to convene a private roundtable meeting later today. And they've invited some prominent local rabbis and the heads of Jewish schools to, quote, help UJA think through a community strategy in response to events in Israel, unquote. While right now the opposition is louder, there are also those who feel all the public criticism is bad for Israel. There is a constant, unrelenting effort by so many people worldwide to do do whatever they can to erode world confidence in Israel. Um, And unfortunately, even some Jews, even within the state of Israel, are contributing to that erosion. And we have to work hard to uh, do whatever we can to bolster world confidence in Israel. I'm Ellen Basner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, March the 14th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Rabbi Daniel Korobkin is the spiritual leader of one of the largest Orthodox synagogues in Canada, the Beth Avraham Yosef Congregation in Thornhill, Ontario, or Bayit as it's known, with over 800 families. Until now, he's kept out of the polemics about Israel, but this past Saturday, he felt he had to speak out in his Sabbath sermon. It's also on YouTube, and we put the link to it in our show notes. Korobkin will be here to explain why people should support Israel and not criticize her in public unless they move there. That's coming up right after this message. During World War II, the Nazis began a little-known program of extermination for their own children. In Peter Klenot's new mystery thriller, The Unwanted, 14-year-old Hannah Ziegler is being driven by her grandfather and her psychiatrist to a euthanasia center. 16-year-old Silky Hartenstein graces the cover of Nazi propaganda magazines. Avi Kreisler is a Munich police detective rounded up for Dachau. 
And a patrician father hopes his son, David McAuliffe, will be elected the first Catholic president of the United States. In the unwanted, in the aftermath of war, revenge brings these four people together in ways unimaginable. The unwanted. Do not skip to the last page. Find it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Rabbi Karabkin joins us now from his office in Thornhill. Thank you, Ellen. Nice to be here. Well, it's good to talk to you. I was uh, made aware that you spoke about the situation in Israel, the protests uh, on the weekend at your shul. And uh, I'd like to unpack a little bit about what, first of all, what you've been hearing from your congregation as they watched the situation with the new government and the protests. To be honest, it hasn't been a major topic of conversation in my congregation. I know that some people are concerned, but I think that the vast majority of my congregation is as Zionistic as ever. We have a very long-term vision in our Zionism because as religious Zionists, we believe that the founding of the state of Israel in the 20th century put us on a trajectory that we're continuing to be on in an upward motion towards some kind of really eschatological future that bodes well for the Jewish people and for the world. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going in a linear path. It could be that we're going to take one step back for every two steps that we take forward. But I think there's general optimism within my congregation about the state of Israel, despite the challenges that we're currently seeing. Why did you feel that it was important to weigh in on this uh, this past Shabbat? I felt it was important. I didn't know whether I was going to speak about it this Shabbat or another Shabbat, but I felt that I should really address it before the, the holiday season. My reason is is because I've noted that a number of very high-profile Canadian Jews, especially members of the Supreme Court, um, Erwin Kotler, and others, other individuals, have been vocal in their criticism of Israel. And I, I just wanted to express to my congregation that I thought that that was quite unfortunate. Um, we sometimes get caught up in the wave of propaganda that is anti-Israel. We recognize that part of the anti-Semitism that is circulating in the world today is because the world sees the Jewish people as a very, very successful startup nation, and there's a certain amount of perhaps envy or jealousy, and people are waiting for us to fail. And so there's a tendency to amplify all of the warts and defects within the Israeli democracy, um, the Israeli country, the nation. And unfortunately, people jump on the bandwagon too quickly without taking the time to carefully analyze both sides and to really be a little bit more circumspect about the long-term goals and what is really um, anticipated to happen in the long run. So what dangers do you see? You said that there's a a worldwide waiting for the Jewish state to fall. And then, of course, uh, the the secondary uh, impact is increased anti-Semitism, right? Is that another impact you're worried about as well? I'm, I'm worried first and foremost for the welfare of the state of Israel. When the state of Israel is strong, it means that we have a sanctuary. We have a place that is our own country. For many people... Hearing statements uh, such as when uh, one of the members of the Knesset says we should wipe out Hawara after the pogrom that happened does not help things, even though he apologized afterwards, like five days later. He completely walked it back. And he, uh, you know, Israeli politicians, unfortunately, sometimes put their mouth in gear before their minds are engaged 
before fully recognizing the ramifications. Some non-Israeli politicians do the same thing, even Canadian politicians. Um, of course, they're, they're, but that does that mean that this man is a racist? No, it means that he was filled with rage over the unrelenting, uh, continuing acts of terror that are going on on a weekly basis. One just this past Thursday night where three uh, innocent men going to a wedding in Tel Aviv were all shot two in the head and are in critical condition. And I, you know, I, I am so saddened to have to get up every Shabbat um, during services when we make the Misha Beirach, when we make the prayer for the sick, and to announce there's been another terror attack in Israel. Let's please include in our prayers when we make the prayer for the sick all those who have been injured in Israel this past week. We didn't have to do that a couple of years ago or even last year or perhaps even last month. But unfortunately, it's now becoming routine. And that's what, what if, if you were living under that kind of constant pressure, under that constant barrage of attack, who knows what you or I would say uh, as a response to, uh, you know, if we knew where the attackers were coming from. Of course, it was a it was an impetuous thing to say. It had consequences, very negative consequences. And we have to make sure that we uh, we hold our politicians, all of our politicians, responsible for statements they make. But that said, that does not mean that Israel or its politicians currently in power are racist. Well, I think there are a lot of people who would disagree with you about some of them who have been convicted of incitement of hate and other things. But I want to focus more on um, the rabbinical clergy side. Uh, I'm aware that other congregations, other flavors of Judaism perhaps, um, have more progressive views on things and have been speaking about their concerns about the ethics and the morals of the state of Israel and even weighing in publicly, like you said, some big leaders. I wonder if there's sort of a majority or a consensus. Do you know from your colleagues what people are feeling? I don't know that there's consensus. I'm sure that this, just like any other issue facing the Jewish community, there is very rarely ever consensus. The only time we get consensus uh, is when there's a war in Israel and we all come out to support Israel. And even then, sometimes you don't get full consensus, you know, from sometimes on the, the, the far left. So I won't presume to, to know what the voice of Canada, Canadian Jewry is, just like I wouldn't know what the voice of American Jewry is. I don't think there's ever going to be consensus on this issue. I think the one thing that we can find consensus on is that we all want to support the state of Israel and make it a healthier, um, more productive state, uh, one that uh, achieves peace in our time and that is able to bring uh, equal rights to all of its citizens uh, and come to some kind of uh, peaceful deal with its neighbors. The question is, what is that going to look like, and what is the price that we're going to have to pay in order for that to happen? I'm aware that there's going to be a meeting in um, the next couple of days of rabbis from the city of Toronto with the UJA Federation. What was the reason that they this meeting is being held, do you know? I don't know. I just know that I received an invitation to have a, a roundtable discussion uh, uh, with the clergy in the, in the GTA to really just discuss this issue. I think that um, the leaders at the UJA, like you mentioned, Ellen, this is going on probably nationwide and, and worldwide, that community leaders, especially those who are in charge of federations, are facing pressure from their, from their donor base. 
who are telling them that I don't want my dollars to go to Israel because I uh, do not agree with current uh, political policy. I think that's, um, that's unfortunate. Um, you know, one, as Dennis Prager, if I can quote him, once said, I don't support governments. I support the state of Israel. And there are going to be um, governments that I agree more with, and there are going to be governments that I disagree more with. But that should not affect the level of support that a person gives to, to Israel. There are humanitarian needs in Israel today. Um, the support that the UJA shows for Israel has nothing to do with Israeli politics in a particular government. Um, and we should continue our support unconditionally for the state of Israel. And does it disturb you? Were you aware at all of a recent poll that came out last week from two groups, JSpace and, and New Israel Fund, through Ecos Research about people in Canada, Jewish community, is against, mostly majority against what the direction the New Israeli government is, is taking? Are you aware of that? I'm, I was not aware, but the two organizations that you mentioned do not have a good track record of being a good mouthpiece for supporting the state of Israel. So that wouldn't surprise me. And I have no idea what metrics they used and how they took that poll. But I, I, I would not find, I would not rely on that poll. I would want to see a more centrist, uh, perhaps neutral or unbiased organization taking a poll before I passed any judgment. Has anybody in the community said to you, I'm not going to Israel because of blank, or I canceled my trip because of blank, or have you heard about these things at all? No, no. In my congregation, people are traveling to Israel um, as frequently as ever. People have, you, you know, it's important to understand, I signed more Aliyah letters during COVID, during the two and a half years of COVID, than I signed in the prior 10 years. People from my community have made Aliyah in droves um, because of COVID. It really accelerated that process. People's children made Aliyah in droves. And that number, I believe, is going to continue. People will continue to make Aliyah from, from Thornhill and from other communities in, in the GTA and from other places in North America. And, you know, we view these um, terrorist attacks and, and the current challenges in the government as blips on the radar. You know, these are things that you live with. These are aggravations that every Israeli has to, has to deal with. But I think that we're over-inflating the, the nature of the chaos that's taking place in Israel. I don't think it's nearly as chaotic as people think. With 900,000 people participating or in, in rallies every weekend for 10 weeks in a row, do you find that maybe is some kind of, it's not chaos, but it is something. I think I think that's I think what you're seeing is democracy that is healthy at work. I I would be very proud of that. If that was you know what that indicates is that when it comes time around for the next election, the, the people who are uh, the source of this protest will be eliminated from government. That's how democracies work, and a healthy democracy allows for healthy protest. Okay, is there anything I didn't ask that you wanted to get across from your Devar, for example, Torah, that, that we should focus on, a particular line in there? Um, I guess the, the one thing that I, I wanted to get across to my congregation is that we should continue our vocal support of Israel. Um, if you want to be a critic, an outspoken critic of Israel, make Aliyah. That's where you belong. If you're living in Chutz Laaretz, and you're not living with the daily pressures of terror attacks 
and people landing in the hospital and in the morgue, then please refrain from your, from your criticism. It's not appropriate. It's not helpful. And the last thing that I would say is that um, we have to have confidence that Israel is a healthy democracy. It will sort things out. And with enough support from worldwide Jewry, Israeli democracy will adjust itself to doing the right thing. And for those who are just wringing their hands and fearing the worst, try not to be um, filled with so much angst about your own people. Jews are very good at being anxious about ourselves, about our mishpacha. Try not to do that in public. We are an anxious people, but let's have a little confidence. God chose us for goodness sake. He didn't choose us because we're failures. He chose us because he has confidence in us. We should have the same confidence in ourselves that even when we make mistakes nationally, we'll eventually get it right. You talked in your Dvar about the golden calf. Yeah, pr- pretty. That's, that's pretty much it. You know, that was Moses's argument to God. You know, g- give the Jewish people a break. I know when we mess up, we're a stiff-necked people and we're prone to making real, real mistakes. Um, and, and sometimes really big mistakes. But, let, but give us a chance. We can fix it. We can rectify ourselves and we can adjust uh, and make corrections when we need to. And that's what world Jewry should have confidence in, is that just like Moses prayed on behalf of the Jews after the golden calf, we should realize that even when we make a golden calf, we will get it right, we will atone, we will adjust, and we'll move forward in a very positive way. For its part, CJA, the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, has until now been taking a measured and nuanced approach to the situation in Israel. They've been meeting in person in Israel several times recently with Israeli leaders and opposition politicians. Soon, though, CJA will do more than just issue written statements and work behind the scenes. There are plans to hold a national town hall, although details aren't available yet. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. And today's listener shout-out goes to Randy Mendelson in Toronto. And we'll end the episode with how the Israeli situation with Bezalel Smotrik prompted condemnation last week, even in the House of Commons in Ottawa, from the NDP's London MP, Lindsay Matheson, and then from the Liberal Party's Parliamentary Secretary for Foreign Affairs, Meninder Sidhu. Honourable Member for London Tanshaw. Far-right ministers in Israel are celebrating horrifying attacks on Palestinian civilians, engaging in dehumanization, threatening democratic institutions, and calling for violations of international law. And thousands of Israelis are on the ground right now protesting the actions and rhetoric of their government. Here, JSpace Canada is asking the government to take a firm stance against these comments and actions. It's not enough to merely condemn his remarks. The government must listen to this group. Will this government ensure that no Canadian officials legitimize extremists like Smotrich or Ben Gavir by meeting with them. The Honourable Parliamentary Secretary. Madam Speaker, we are appalled by the reprehensible comments made by Minister Smotrich. We unequivocally condemn these remarks. We stand firmly against all incitements to violence and condemn all acts of violence and terrorism. Those responsible must be held accountable and measures must be applied equally and consistently. We call on Israeli officials to denounce these comments. We call for an immediate de-escalation of tensions to restore calm. Our thoughts are with all those affected by the recent violence. Thank you, Madam Speaker.